Okay, um, I want to start uh, this morning, thank you guys for being here, 9 a.m. Let me just tell you, there's, there's some special blessing on those who would choose uh, to come to a church conference at 9 a.m., uh, and so give yourselves a round for being here, 9 a.m., come on. Um, I know there was more than a few of you who woke up this morning and were like, nah, I don't think I want to be there. That might have even been me too, but I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But, um, but you made it, and I just, I just want to say God is honored. I want to say God is honored. I want to say I know a lot of you are, are, how many of you by a show of hands are part of the dream team of Walk Church? Where the dream team folks at? Yeah. So you serve week in and week out. You're putting in some extra time. And so God is honored by that. For those of you who serve at this church, who give faithfully, I just want to affirm you and say you are a big part of what makes this thing go and the reason why these rooms are filled twice on Sunday mornings and that there are many people in charge groups throughout the week is because you guys serve and you are faithful and God is honored and in these moments now where you would say on a Saturday morning, I am going to go deeper, I'm going to go for more, you are honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What the decision you made this morning, your heavenly father does not take it lightly. It means something to him that you chose to be here today. And uh, so I want to just speak that word of affirmation and encouragement over your life. And maybe I'm doing that because I really believe it, but also because I'm trying to butter you up because we're going to go deeper this morning. <laughs> and... Uh, and so I want to say that I love you and God is for you, but this is the Deepen Conference. And so I didn't just come to pat you on the back and just say you're awesome. Uh, I want to do that, but I also want to bring some truth that could help us go deeper. And so back to the outline really quick. Uh, yesterday we talked about suffering. And deepening our faith through the way we look at our pain and suffering. Praise the Lord that you remember the takeaway. That just, that just makes my heart leap. I love you, brother. Uh, session two, today we're going to be talking about deepening our love for God through our affections. Through our affections. I'll be explaining those in a moment. And then I'm looking forward to the workshop that we're going to have uh, afterwards as well. Talking about some disciplines that could help us go deeper. And so by way of, of quick review, the question last night was how can we uh, or how does God use unexplainable pain and suffering to deepen our relationship with him? If you weren't here last night, this was the question. And like Pastor Hyden so eloquently stated, this was our answer. The way we, we use pain to deepen our relationship with Christ is because in knowing our pain, receiving our pain, we're actually knowing and going deeper and understanding the pain that Jesus went through on our behalf. Today, this is our question. Session two, how can we deepen our love for God? Today, we're talking about love. This morning, we're talking about affections and uh, this first statement I'm going to make, please do not be offended by it. Maybe, maybe the Holy Spirit would, would convict you of around these next few ideas because I know you love God. How many of you would say, I love God? Yeah, I love Jesus. I don't think you'd be here on a Saturday morning if you didn't love Jesus, but 
how many of you would agree your love could probably go deeper? Someone say amen. And so how many of you would say, are you satisfied with the love that you have for God or would you want that love to grow? We want it to grow. We want it to go deeper. And so I love you. I love you. I really do. But here's the first thing I want to say about this. Why does this matter? Most of us don't love God as much as we think we do. Just like, just like I probably think I'm a better singer than I actually am. Now, let me tell you, I'm just so blessed. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Man, that just brought me back growing up in church. But, but sometimes I, I try to step out in faith and sing a little bit. And uh, I just, I probably don't sing as good as I think I do. I'm probably not as good of a husband. Actually, that's not even, that. I know I'm not a good husband, so let's, let's move on. I need to be a better one. Uh, I'm probably not as good of a basketball player as I think I am. We think of ourselves more highly than we ought to oftentimes. And I think if we're not careful, we assume that we love God. We assume that our love for God is deep. And I just want us to pause and maybe take a a humble pill for just a moment and maybe, just maybe, consider that we might not love God as much as we think we do. Now, you'd say, Ed, how do you know? How do you know I'm here on a, a Saturday morning? Come on, Ed. Let me just tell you why else this matters. Next slide. Many Christians mistake their commitment to the church for a love for Christ. But Ed, I'm here. But Ed, I serve. I'm a part of the dream team. I fill in for people when they cancel on planning center. Come on, somebody. Come on. I love God. Don't don't come at me. But see, the church at Ephesus, they did all the things. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation and, and Jesus writes these letters through John to the seven churches in modern-day Turkey, and one of them was in Ephesus. And Jesus says about this church, I know you toil. I know you work. I know you endure patiently. All marks of what we would say is love, working for God, enduring patiently with, with people who don't know God. But then Jesus says, but I have this against you. That, that's a... Jesus has something against this church who's working hard for him. There's a possibility that you could be working hard for God, you could be enduring patiently for God, but he could bring this charge against you. You have abandoned your first love. It's possible. Is it true for you? I don't know, but all I know, having grown up in the church, is I could mistake my commitment to ministry, my commitment to being at the charge group or my small group, my commitment to the church for an actual love for Christ. Now, let me say this. You can't have a love for Christ without a commitment to the church, but you can't have a commitment to the church without a love for Christ. Well, Ed, how do you know? Because I grew up in the church. It's all I've ever known. Pops was a worship leader and an elder. My mom was the the secretary of the church. My mom was the Sunday school 
superintendent, overseer. I was in church three, four days a week. It's all I knew. And so from age 12 to 27, this is why else this matters. I talked about this with the Walk Youth on Thursday night. And I told them about some of the the issues I had growing up in church or some of what I now see as some problematic things. That my walk with the Lord from 12 to 27 was really more cerebral than it was joyful. I understood that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I understood loving selflessly and all these different things. But it was in my head, not in my heart. It was dutiful more than delightful. I had to do it because it was required of me because my parents wanted me to do it because I wanted to make pastor happy. But there was no delight in waking up for church on Sunday mornings and missing the game. Come on. There's no delight in that. At least there wasn't for me then. It was duty. And then I don't know growing up if my parents left the faith, if I would have stayed. I think if they left, I would have been like, cool, we ain't doing this Jesus thing no more. Great. I could do all the bad things you don't tell me to do. And so it was more familial than personal. And for those of you who've been around church for any length of time, maybe you can relate to this left side. Sometimes it's just more cerebral. I could quote it. I could memorize the scripture, but there's not a deep joy. I set up. I tear down. I do all the things, but if I'm honest, I'm not sure if there's delight. And you know what? It's probably more of a family origin thing where I could say now, man, it's changed. I really, I really love the Lord. I really delight in the Lord. I want to be here. I I want him regardless of what he can do for me. If he is all I get when all is said and done, I'm fulfilled. I don't need him to answer my prayers like I used to need him to answer my prayers. I don't want my dreams to come to pass like I used to want my dreams to pass. All I want is you. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Not the gift, the gift giver. I love you, Lord, and I lift up my voice to worship you, not your hand, not your miracles, you, your character, your personhood, you, 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 Lord, is what I want. But it's been a journey. It's been a journey from 27 to now uh, 37 Finding out what it means to to go from the left side to the right side. Joyful, delight, personal. It's real for me. So that's why this matters. The world doesn't need a bunch of cerebral Christians. There's a dying world. Let me just talk to you about Las Vegas. Do the lost people in Las Vegas need Christians who are dutiful? Nah, I don't think that's going to do it. What Las Vegas has to offer is way better than dutiful Christianity. And so it's not just our personal love that's at stake here. The mission is at stake. 
If we don't get this thing figured out, so here's my outline. Here's where we're going over my next few minutes. Uh, 10.08, what time do I have to? I just want to make sure I'm honoring. Okay. Uh, breakout starts at 11, so okay. Uh, 10.59, we're going to do this. Okay. We're going to go deep, and we're going to get you into the greatest commandment. Ah, Ed, I know that already. Okay. Okay, we just got to go there. We got to set we got to set the foundation for why love is important. Then though, the meat of the message is going to be on this necessary distinction. A necessary distinction about love. And then we're going to go to a proper response and uh, there's going to be an opportunity for you to respond. And then we're going to get into some breakout sessions and then be good for lunch. And so, um, you guys ready? ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. If you're ready, say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. go. Okay. Um, On the next slide. I love this. Jesus just makes it real clear. We're talking about love. If you love me, you know this, you will keep my commandments. You will obey my commandments. There's a connection between love and obedience. It's that simple. Now, I'm a simple guy. So the next question I ask is, okay, commandments What's the one? And I, I'm so glad that the folks in the scriptures, they, they want to know the same answer. Which commandment is the most important? If I, if I got to obey any of them, let me, let me concentrate on the ones that are most important to you. You ever uh, prepare for a test and it's like, what's going to be on the test? I don't want to know all the information. I just want to know what I'm going to be tested against. I want to know what's going to be required of me when all is said and done. And so I want to cut to the chase. These guys in the scripture wanted to cut to the chase. Which commandment is the most important? You know it. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And so we're, we're flying through this. You know this passage. But the greatest commandment, you know, and if we want to say it another way, I put it this way. Want to love God? Someone say yes. Okay, obey God. If you want to love God, you got to obey God. You can't have love apart from obedience. That's like not a thing. If you want to obey God, you got to love God. The first of the greatest, the greatest commandment, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So let me just say this. This idea of growing in love because all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul How many of you would would agree, all, we're not there yet. We've got room to grow in this all thing. So we can't just say, I love the Lord, let's drop it, let's go on to other things. No, this thing isn't finished until all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. So this this is an imperative, friends. This isn't optional to go deeper in our love for God. This is the greatest commandment of them all. And then the second one is like it, love your neighbors as yourself. But we we gotta focus on this first one of love the Lord. Now, okay, that's it. We're moving right along. This is where we're gonna spend the majority of our time, a necessary distinction. So now we're gonna get into this text a little bit deeper. Everyone say deeper. deeper. Okay, I love this. I love going deeper. I love a church that is interested in going beyond the surface. Let's check it out. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So there's some primacy 
not only to this commandment, primacy meaning first things first, this is the greatest commandment, and then the second one, so we got to pay attention to loving the Lord more than or firstly before we look at loving others, and then even in the order of which the, the things we are to love the Lord with, heart, soul, mind, and strength, there is primacy to heart and soul. Heart and soul becomes, comes before mind and strength. Some of you love to love the Lord with your mind. You love reading the books. You love studying about God and, and understanding him with your mind and apologetics and all of those things. Praise God for that. Some of you, I even get a sense at this church, you love the Lord with your strength. This church serves hard. This church serves well. And it is beautiful. And God is honored by it. He is honored by the heart that shows up, goes extra hours, does the work when no one is looking. I know just being over here over a short amount of time that you love the Lord with all your strength. Praise God for that. All of these are important, but there's some primacy to heart and soul. Now, what does love the Lord with all your heart mean? And so what do I do? Click, click, click. Come on, somebody go on to these internets. Let me just tell you, Blue Letter Bible, write that down. Write down Blue Letter Bible. It's a resource. I just want to show you, Hayden and I, I mean, well, Hayden's Hayden, sharp. He's sharp. But I, I, we just, we get some help. We get some help, and, and you could study the scriptures too. You know that. You could go in there. You have access to the resources we have access to. And on Blue Letter Bible, you put in verses, and you could get what the Greek words are, and you could get the descriptions. And so this is what I do. I put Mark 1230 into the thing, whatever, the search. It brings up the scripture, and then every word you could click on so that you know the word that was in the Greek, and you could see what, what was deeper about the word. You guys could do this. You guys could do it. Pastor Hyde, I'm letting them know our secrets, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Click, 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 click. And so, so I clicked around, and this is what I found about heart. Let's take a look. What is the heart? The heart is the center of all physical and spiritual life, of the soul as the seat of the sensibilities, affections, emotions, desires, Appetites, come on somebody after a fast, appetites and passions. Center of all, heart and soul, we're kind of talking about the same thing here, heart and soul, very closely related, and the word I want to focus on for the rest of our time is affections. It has to do with our affections. Now, Jonathan Edwards Old guy talks about affections, uh, very, very uh, scholarly. We all look to him. We love Jonathan Edwards. He wrote the seminal work on affections, and this is what he says about him. A man's or woman's having much affection don't prove that he has any true religion, but if he has no affection, it proves that he has no true religion. Affection. If you have a true religion, it has to be accompanied by affection. 
Ed, what are you talking about? I'm not getting it. Let's, let's go deeper. Let me show you here. Big statement. Love can be void of affection. Love can be void of affection. Where the husband's in the room at? Just raise your hand nice and high. Okay? If you're a husband in the room, you know. And if you're not a husband in the room, you shouldn't know about this. If you're a wife, you know too. But if you're not a husband or a wife, you shouldn't know about this. You get into that bed and, and you try to make that move. Come on, somebody. And, and you lean over and she like this, like boom. She gets you with the shoulder real fast. And you know at that moment, nah, tonight's not the night. She loves me, but there's no affection in this bed right now. There's like a chasm in between us. Um, you know what it's like, come on, parents, to love your children, but to not have affection for them at certain moments in time. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Some, 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 some parents are being honest. Some of you are like, oh, is that okay? <laughs> is it okay that I really don't like this one? Like, is that okay? <laughs> um, maybe, you know, more seriously, you know what it's like to know that your parents love you, but to not feel their affection. I know in my head, mama loves me, daddy loves me, he works so hard, she, she works so hard, but, but why don't I feel it? Why, why don't they ever hug me? Why isn't there any proper physical touch that lets me know that they love me? Some of you would say, I love my brother, I love my sister, but like we just don't. We don't, I'm not hugging him. That's like, oof. Love, but no affection for your siblings. Come on, and have you ever been there? I love my siblings to death, but nah, man, we good, we good. Hey, hey, good to see you. Now, I just wonder, I don't just wonder, I know that our love for God can be void of affection. And, well, are you just talking? I mean, no, there's Bible for this. Let's take a look at Matthew this is real. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart, the center of all, the seed of their emotions, their passions, their desires, their appetites, their affections are far from me. Friends, this is a possibility. Is it true for you? I couldn't say but it's a possibility for our love for God to be void of the affections that he's worthy of. Now, what I want to show you over these next few moments, hey, is this helping anybody so far? You guys okay? Yeah. If you're okay, say I'm okay. Okay. I want to show you that you're capable of, uh, of affections. I want to show you that you and I, we have affections. It's just a matter of what those affections are around. And so here's the question. What do we have affections for? Is it possible? Ed, I didn't grow up in a very emotional family. And so we didn't hug and all of that. So, but I know we love each other. And so that's how it is with me and God too. I don't get all cry when oceans comes on and I don't, my tears don't come. But I love God. I have affections, but we just don't do that. Now, 
I'm just going to open my life up to you a little bit more today and, and just share some of, of my affections. Is that okay? Can I just bring you into my life? Because I've got some affections. I know. I know I've got some affections. Let me put my first affection up on the screen. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We lift up your name in this place. Brazilian barbecue is a gift from on high. And let me just tell you, my little thing stays on green. It stays green. Don't stop. I don't, don't stop. Just bring it. Just bring it. And, and when I know the time is coming that we are going to eat at Brazilian barbecue, my heart just skips a beat. Something, something physical happens in me. Something spiritual happens in me. It, 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 it takes over me. Anyways, and some of you, when that picture came up, there was just something that happened in your spirit. Like the Lord spoke to you tonight. This is what we're doing. After the night session. Come on, somebody. After the night session. Okay. Helping you out, Pastor Hyde, and get them back here. Now, now I got affection for this, but let me tell you what else I have affection for. Next. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you. I love this man. I love this man. I love this symbol. It'd probably be too much to say I love everything that it stands for. But anyways, I, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I think the young people say, no cap. No cap. Michael Jordan, he is the greatest of all time. And, and let me, so LeBron, whatever, just, just let me, he never had to play a game seven in an NBA finals. Never. Why? Because he didn't let it get there, okay? He didn't let it get there. Six championships, never lost one. 1987, 1988, let me just tell you, can I just tell you? The year that he wore the Jordan 3, this was the year, just in case you didn't know, 87, 88. He scores 35 points a game. He leads the league in scoring. That's great. LeBron's done that. Kobe's done that, whatever. But on the other side of the ball, he wins the defensive player of the year. He's the best player on both sides of the ball. Don't talk to me about LeBron. Don't talk to me about Kobe. I get angry. Kobe wouldn't be Kobe if it wasn't for Mike. I've got affections, friends. Now, okay, okay. Tell me to go deeper. Say go deeper. Okay, this is, okay. And then, now I love your pastor. You know that I've said that. But this dude is starting to mess with Yeezys. Oh, my gosh. Your pastor is starting to wear these Yeezy shoes. And we're shopping for shoes yesterday, and he's touching them. And me, in my spirit, I am grieving in the Lord. And I'm feeling like our fellowship is being broken. And I have to, I feel like I got to cast something out of my brother. I just like, come on, man. Okay, get it together, Ed. Oh, I love you. I love you. But don't ever wear them things around me. Okay. 
All right. Uh, can someone say affections? affections? Let me just just bring you one more, one more. Uh, now, yeah, you would think, oh, like he has affections for his wife. And then I do. I love my wife, 15 years. She's my, she's my ride or die. But, but notice, notice who's in the, the front of this picture, the foreground. It's my pup. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Edward Paws, and this is my Labradoodle, chocolate Labradoodle, Merit P-A-W-S. Come on, somebody. Merit Paws. You can follow her on Instagram, at Merit Paws. Can I just tell you I miss my baby girl right now? I can't wait till I come home because she, she's going to speak to me, and she's going to say, Daddy, I love you. I love you. And, and I miss you, and I have affections for my pup. And, and so can you see, we're capable of getting emotionally engaged with the gifts that God gives. And it's not a bad thing. The question is, is our emotional engagement with God's gifts anywhere near as strong with our emotional engagement around the character and person of God himself? Or are we more affected by the gifts than affected by the gift giver? So let me just talk to you a little bit about some affections. Is this helping anybody so far? Let me put a list of affections up. Find yourself in Jesus' name. Where you at? Sports, come on. Y'all don't even like hockey. And this team comes in, and all of a sudden, I love hockey. I'm diehard Knights. Oh, we love these Knights. Go, Knights, go. It's crying. No, I know. I I know, but I'm just showing you how capable you are of getting hyped about something you had never been hyped out before. (laughs) Never. Uh, Hockey in Vegas? What? (laughs) How does the ice even stay cold? Are you kidding me? Some of you, we won't call out the, the, the video game nerds in the room. The money, folks, you're all about your bank account. You wake up every single morning to check in on your investments, how we looking, relationships, oh, you and your boo, you and your girl, you and your mans, and you're just in them text messages, and when it comes in, and when it comes in, something just, you get that notification, and they put the emoji that you like best, whatever that one is, and you're like, oh, I can interpret that emoji so deeply. He loves me. She loves me. And you just flutter with it. You get emotional. And then some of you relationships, it's your, it's your girlfriends or your homies. Every time you get around, oh, these are my girls. I love my girls. Girls night out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, me and my dogs, me and my homies. I love my dudes. I do anything for my guys, for my guys. And, and you see these tough dudes get all affectionate for these other dudes. Travel, booking the trips, technology, the techies in the room. You can't wait till the next thing comes out and you got the pre-order in. Nature, kids, okay, let me just talk to you. Some of you, man, definitely love your kids. Raise them up, no doubt. But some of you have an, an unhealthy affection. An affection that supersedes anything else. 
that the level of pride you have in what they accomplish is nowhere near the level of pride that you have for being a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nothing against loving your kids. But let me just point to the affection that you have for your kids and ask you, is your affection and your ability to be moved by who God is anywhere near the affection that you have for your children? Your pets, come on, some of you ladies and maybe some of the dudes in the room, you're just all about making your home just just tight. Joanna Gaines is like your girl, your hero, and, and you just love inviting people over, and when they compliment you on how beautiful it looks, your heart leaps for joy. They notice the, the decoration. They notice what I did there. Affections, social media, you see it. We're capable. Have we located ourselves? Someone say Amen. And so we can do this. We're, we're able to have affections. And so the tension becomes this. How can we deepen our love for God? How can, if we're, we're, we're capable of having these deep, deep feelings and emotions for the things of this world, how can we take our love deeper? How can we match the affections and so let, let me just say this first as the takeaway. We're, we're, we're way ahead of time, number one. Uh, I, will, I will say some, some extra things here because I got some time. But your love for God will grow deeper as you allow who he is and what he says, and I'll add, and what he's done to affect you more than anything else does. Here's the deal. You love God, but does he affect you more than your problems affect you? Does he affect you more than your success in ministry and your progress in ministry affects you? I didn't, I didn't speak to the affection around ministry. I love ministry. I love seeing lives change. But if we ever love seeing lives change more than we love the one who changes the lives, that's dangerous. And it's so nuanced because we feel like because we love the lives being changed, it actually means we love God. But we actually might have an addiction to success and not to our Savior. It's possible to have an addiction to being influential for Jesus as opposed to to loving Jesus, the one whom you're supposed to be influencing people towards. If you're a teacher in the room, if you're a kids ministry leader, if you're a team leader in the room, ministry is great. I just know my heart and how I've led things. And and being the leader, I am more affectionate of the title I have. I'm more having more affection for the results of my leadership than what I'm supposed to be leading people towards. We're talking about what affects you. And sometimes you could say, I love the Lord, but sit in a room and the songs are being sung and it's not even affecting you. You could read the Bible and it's not 
affecting you. You're agreeing with it, but it's not affecting you. It's not changing your countenance in the way that food can change your countenance. It's not changing your countenance in the way that your children and that your successes in your bank account and whatever it is that you have affection for changes you and gets you going and impacts you. So what is it for you? What is the thing that affects you more than anything else does? I want you to think about it for just a moment and have an honest moment before God. What is the thing that moves me? Because if you're not careful, the thing that moves you most will lead you. What moves you is what will lead you. So if your kids and the things that they want and the things you want for them is most important to you, sometimes God could say something, but if it, if it gets in the way of, of your kid's joy, you could potentially choose your kid's joy over obedience unto God. You could choose what would be most successful for the ministry as opposed to choosing what God wants for your life. You could choose what you want that is godly. See, we're not talking about choosing between two wrong things. We're talking about choosing what's right for you at the time because God is saying this is right for you now. For the single folks in the room, your relationship status and what that looks like and how you pursue that. See, and I know some of you, 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 you seek the Lord and, and you want a mate and you want God to send the one. Come on, somebody. I don't know how many times I get from young people. I mean, come on, I'm a young person still, but anyways, younger than me. And how do you know if he or she is the one? And I just wonder if our prayers for the one were more caught up in those than the one who gave his only son for us. Like what, what if, what if our affections are misordered? And so here's, here's the proper response. Now, I'm not gonna give you much practical handles Actually, I'm going to be doing that practically in, in the workshop. I'm going to be talking about prayer, and specifically prayer as worship, and how that's been a tool to, to really change my life. And, and I love the fact that this house prays. I love the fact that this house prioritizes prayer. Doing a 21-day fast, a 24-hour continual prayer, day of prayer, a conference like this and uh, with the rest of the balance of my time because I am finishing a little bit early here I, I do see that prayer is probably what needs to happen I don't need to keep talking because the point I want to make in this, sex, this session is that God wants your affections he doesn't just want your love your cerebral love your knowledgeable love he wants your heart to be moved and affected by him more than all this other stuff including church stuff oh, ma'am one more thing 
you could have more affections for the body of Christ than for Christ himself. With all this talk about community, it's all about community, and I believe in community, but just be careful that you're not here and that you're worshiping community over the Christ, the Christ who makes the community possible. Someone say, go deeper. I get so juiced when people say, I love the community here at the movement. You love to hear when people say, I love the people that walk. I love the community. How many would say, I love the community? But can I just tell you, community could be an idol. Community could be an idol. And so what happens, instead of people showing people God, see, community is supposed to point to Jesus. Ministry is supposed to point to Jesus. Love for the Jordan brand is supposed to point to Jesus. How? Because because, he made MJ. (laughs) He placed those gifts in his life. He made Tinker Hatfield, the guy who designs the shoes. And so I turn the blessing into praise. It's supposed to glorify him. And sometimes we stop at the gift. I stop at community, I stop at love for my spouse, ooh, 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 your spouse, your husband, your wife, more affection for him or her than God. Your love for God will grow deeper as you allow who he is and what he says to affect you more than anything else. Um, Let's go to the to-do, and this is um, the proper response. I'm sorry, go to Revelation first, from the text. This is what... Jesus had to say to the church at Ephesus. After showing them, you do all these things. Oh, sorry, this is coming to my mind. You know, he also mentions to the church at Ephesus, he goes, you hate what the Nicolaitans are doing. Now, the Nicolaitans are, they were doing some false teaching back in that day. And so he commended them for hating, basically, you hate what I hate. What God hates, you hate. Yet, you still abandon your first love. What does that mean? Hating what God hates doesn't mean you love God. So, so for you political junkies in the room, you think your hate for whatever it is, the person, the, the law, whatever it is. You think your hate for that equals love for God. Turn to your, saber, turn, blah, blah, blah. turn to your neighbor and say, not really. Not really. Just because you hate what God hates doesn't mean you love God. Doesn't mean you love what God loves. You might love your political persuasion more than you love the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You might love your stance on the issue more than, than God himself. I just, I'm taking some time to do some surgery here this morning. I want to show us that, yes, we have good intentions, but sometimes with all of these things we do, we just chalk it up as love for God, and I want to show you sometimes that's not what it is. And so, so here, and, and we could invite the team up, and we're going to close I'm just going to call you to the same thing that Jesus called the church at Ephesus to 
Repent. Repent. Now, I love this. Smaller group here today, folks who really wanted to go deeper. And you really want to go deeper. Repentance, an acknowledgement of what has been true about your life is how you go deeper with the Lord. That's how this whole thing started, right? You said, I need a savior. I've got sin that I can't take care of on my own. Unfortunately, for some Christians, that's the deepest they ever go. The moment of salvation. But they never repent again. And I think, come on, now, ooh. How many of you are thankful that the gospel says, God does not love me because of my love for him? God does not love me because of my affections for him. So let me just tell you, getting your affections right won't make God love you anymore. It's just evidence to the fact that you know God loves you. What makes you right with God is Jesus' perfect affections for his heavenly father. Jesus loved the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. And so when we place our faith in Jesus, Jesus' perfect love for his Father gets credited to us. So now, friends, there's no condemnation for your misordered affections. No condemnation. And because we are not condemned, we can repent. You're not repenting to, to get God to love you, you're repenting because you see it's been out of order. So, if that's you, I know there's something that's out of order. I know that I've made good things God things, and they were never meant to be that. As a way of saying that's me, as a way of saying I'm going to humble myself, Session two, morning session, ride or dies, the ones who are really serious about this thing. Would you be so serious to say and identify yourself and say it's me and just come to the front? I want to pray for you. I want you to come to the front and just say it's me. I've got misordered affections. I know I love things deeply and have moved deeply, but I want to be just as moved and more moved by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If that's you, as you feel led, no worrying about the person standing next to you. you just come forward and I'm just gonna pray for you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to, to pray and to ask for forgiveness. And come on, you, you guys, I, 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 pray. Pray, offer it up right now. Say, God, come on, do it in me, Lord. Reorder it, God. He sees you, he hears you, he knows that thing. He's honored by the fact that you're admitting misordered affections in this place. 
Let the gospel of Jesus Christ, let his kindness lead you to repentance. Thank you, Jesus, for getting it right for us. Thank you, Jesus, for having perfect affections on our behalf. Praise you, Lord. And now when you see me, you don't see my affections for you. You see Christ's affections for you. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for these here. Lord, I pray for these here, especially those, Lord, who have fallen in love with ministry in an unhealthy way. For this church to go deeper, to, for Walk Church to have more influence in this city, they're going to have to love ministry, but they're going to have to love you more. They're going to have to love you more. You're going to have to be more beautiful than what you can do for them. God, supernaturally by the power of your spirit for these leaders here, would you be better? You alone to be better. Help them to see. Is it really you or is it the things you do help us to see? Because the enemy is a liar. He's a liar and he wants to steal it. Lord, do it in this place. Thank you for these humble hearts. We now turn to you in worship because you alone are worthy. We turn to you in worship because we are forgiven. We are set free. We are empowered by your spirit. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave can change your affections. It doesn't have to stay this way. Let's praise him in response. Let's praise him.